وَأَوْحَى رَبُّكَ And your Lord inspired, did wahi. What is wahi? Wahi literally means secret communication. To communicate with someone in a way that those who are around don't find out. Okay? This is what wahi literally means. And from this the word wahi as a term is used for the revelation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to His prophets, His messengers. Why was it called wahi? Because the prophets, revelation was brought to them and people who were around them had no idea. They could not see Jibreel. They could not hear Jibreel. Could they? Only at the times when Jibreel showed himself. How? When he came in the form of you know, a human being for example. But otherwise Jibreel would come and deliver the wahi to the Prophet ﷺ and the people could not see. So this is why wahi is known as wahi. You know like Musa ﷺ, when he was facing the magicians and the magicians asked that Musa would you like to go first or should we go first? And Musa ﷺ told them, you go first. So all the magicians, they threw their sticks and ropes and everything turned into snakes. And Musa ﷺ, he felt afraid in his heart. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did wahi to him at that time that don't be afraid and throw what is in your hand. Now that wahi, who heard it? Who heard it? Did the people over there hear it? No. It was a secret communication. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a message to his prophet. Now, wahi over here in this ayah, is it being used in that sense of revelation that Allah sent revelation to ila nahl to the honeybee no what it means is that Allah instructed the honeybee just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent an instruction to his prophets okay because wahi contains what commands it tells us what we're supposed to do Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his message his guidance to people and he also guided the bee. He also instructed the bee as to what the bee should do. Everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created. We learn about it. That Allah says, الَّذِي أَعْطَى كُلَّ شَيْءٍ خَلْقَهُ ثُمَّ هَدَى That Allah is the one who gave everything its form and He also guided it. Meaning its physical form, who made it? in that particular way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah guided that creation also as to what it should do. So if the ants are working in a particular way, if the elephant is only eating particular foods, if a monkey is looking for particular foods, it's not working like that, it's not eating that particular food because it's being picky. No. Why is it working like that? Why is it living like that? Why is it eating that? Why? Because that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught it to do. Every single creature. Alright? Whether it's a plant or an insect or a giant creature like an elephant, everything has been taught what it should do by who? Its maker. So, وَأَوْحَى رَبُّكَ إِلَى النَّحْلِ Allah inspired, taught, guided the bee. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell the bee? And that ittakhidi, you take, meaning you make. Min al-jibal, from the mountains, meaning in the mountains, and obviously mountains are tall, they're high. So in high places, buyutan, homes, 
make your home OB where? In a high place. Why? Because the higher you are, the safer you'll be. Because if you are lower, closer to the ground, then what will happen? Too many dangers. So, an ittakhidi min al-jibali buyutan wa min al-shajari and also make your home where? In the trees. Wa mimma and also in that which ya'rishun they construct. Who constructs? People construct. Ya'rishun is from Ayn Rashin. We read the word ma'rushat. Those plants which grow upwards. Vines. Okay? Climbers. And what is it that they grow on? What is it that they climb? Sometimes on trees, natural structures, and sometimes on structures that people have made. Isn't that so? And those are called trellises. So mimma ya'rishun, meaning that which people construct. Now what does this refer to? People make different things. They make houses, they make buildings, they make different structures. And if you notice, no matter what kind of a house it may be, whether it's a house or an office building, you will find many times a beehive outside. Many times. You will find it outside. Now, sometimes it gets annoying. But remember that Allah taught the bee to make its home in such places. So unless the bees are becoming dangerous to you, they're harming you, please don't bother them. Likewise the ants and likewise the rest of the creatures. There is a hadith in which we learn that there are four creatures that the Prophet ﷺ forbade people from killing. And of those four are ants and bees. Of those four are which creatures? Ants and bees. Okay? Now generally what happens? We see a bee and we freak out. It's going to bite me. It's going to sting me rather. Huh? And I don't know where this fear comes from. Perhaps the fear of wasps, because wasps, I mean, they tend to sting really bad. But bees generally, they don't bother you unless you bother them. A bee is a very focused worker, remember. It's out in search of nectar. It's out in search of pollen. It doesn't want anything from you. So don't worry. Don't worry. Because you don't have pollen inside, you know, on your body, and nor do you have nectar inside your body. And a bee, when it will sting, you know what's going to happen? That sting is going to get pulled out of its body. And that means that the bee is going to die. Okay? So it's only going to sting a creature when it's really, really necessary. When it's really important. Like for example, there is a predator, there is some danger. You know, only then it will attack. So don't harm the bee and the bee won't. The bee won't harm you. لا ضرر ولا ضرر. Okay? So what do we learn here? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught the bee as to where it should make its home. And where is that? First of all, Where? In high places. And amongst those high places are mountains, trees, as well as anything and everything that people make, that people construct. Now the home is mentioned first. Why? Because the first thing that the bee needs in order to produce honey is what? The hive. Even in order to reproduce, what does it need? The hive. Okay? For the purpose of storing its food, what does it need? The hive. And the hive is something amazing. It is truly amazing. It's made from matter that is edible, that even the bees can consume. Okay? From matter that can be shaped and reshaped. Okay? Which means that in the honeycomb, the pockets that you see, okay, what are they like? They can be reshaped. And bees constantly do that. 
They're used for storing food, which is nectar. And obviously by the time that a honeybee brings the nectar from the flower and transfers it from its belly to the belly of another bee, which goes and uh, stores it in that pocket, it turns into honey. Okay? So in the comb, in its home, what does the bee do? It stores food, honey. And why is it producing honey? So that it has food to eat during the winter when there will be no flowers, when there will be no nectar. There will be no external source of food, so it needs that honey that it has saved. Likewise, these pockets inside the honeycomb, they're also used for laying eggs. The queen bee, what does it do? It lays its egg in these pockets, and that is where the larvae grow and they're fed, and they're growing to bees. Okay. Likewise, these pockets in the honeycomb, they're also used as resting places. Some bees will also take rest. They're also their beds. Okay? So the home of the bee is truly amazing. It's multi-purpose. It's constructed in a very economical way, in the best way. Mathematically also it's amazing. Okay, The geometry, everything, it's amazing. So who taught the bee how to make its home? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Its location and its structure. Allah taught the bee. ثُمَّ كُلِي Then you eat. Meaning once your home is ready and you keep expanding your home, people who do bee farming, okay, the structures that they've made for the beehives, what are they like? That initially the beehive inside is very small and gradually it expands, expands, expands. Okay, And it's amazing how a honeybee that is completely independent, can you control the bee? Can you keep it in a cage? If you keep it in a cage, how will it produce honey? It cannot. But it's amazing how you can make a structure, you can put a queen bee and a couple other bees, and what will happen? A beehive will begin. Can you keep birds like that? Can you keep birds like that? That they only stay here and not go anywhere else? No matter where they fly, they always come back here. No, it cannot happen. But because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught it, Also build your homes where? In places that people make. People make for who? For you. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not allow the bee, we would not be able to do bee farming. It would be beyond our ability because we cannot control bees. We don't have control over them. ثُمَّ كُلِي Then eat مِن كُلِّ ثَمَرَاتِ from every fruit. Meaning every fruit that's suitable for you. Okay? Now, fruit. What is fruit? The product of a process. Right? And what is fruit for us? Something that we're going to consume. Now for a bee, what is the fruit? The apple? The orange? No, no. That's too late. What's fruit for the bee is the flower stage. Okay, so min kulli thamarat from every fruit, meaning flower. I want you to notice something. Thumma kuli. Why is it kuli? And in the previous ayah we learned anittakhidhi. What's this ya at the end for? For female. Okay, like Maryam a.s. What was she told in the Quran? Fakuli washrabi wa qarri aina. 
So when you're addressing a female, this is what you do. When you're addressing a woman, this is what you do. You add a ya at the end. So what does this show to us? Which bees produce honey? Female bees. Female bees produce honey. And it's amazing. You know, in a single hive, there can be up to 50,000 to 60,000 worker bees. Worker bees are which ones? Those that are going and collecting the nectar and bringing the pollen back to the hive. And other worker bees, they're you know, maintaining the hive, looking after the babies and also fanning the hive in order to thicken the nectar that has been brought, meaning the honey. Okay? They're also looking after the queen. So these are the worker bees. And which ones are they? Female. And there are about 800 drones, meaning the males. Just imagine, 50,000 females and how many males? 800. And one queen. One queen. Okay, it's clear. The worker bees, they're collecting the nectar, looking after the queen and also maintaining the hive. They're producing the honey. What do the males do? Nothing. The only thing they do is that they mate with the queen. And once they mate, they die. Yes, they die. Now, thummakuli, I'm not saying that it would look down on men. No, this is bees. Okay, in the bee world, this is the role of the females and this is the role of the males. The human world is different, so please don't compare. Okay? But in this is a lesson that the female bee, I mean, look at how much work it's doing. How much capacity it has. How much it is producing. Don't think that just because you're a woman, you have the right to stay behind. And you have the right to, you know, not do anything. No. You also have a lot of capacity. You can also do a lot. Allah has given you a lot of strength. So, ثُمَّ كُلِي مِن كُلِّ ثَمَرَاتِ First of all, the bee is told, make the hive. Secondly, eat from every kind of fruit, meaning flower, meaning take its nectar. So bees, what do they do? When they find a suitable flower, a flower that they want, that they like, they will take the nectar. But as they will take the nectar, what else will come on their bodies? Pollen. Hmm? Now this pollen, the bees need that also. Okay? They will take the nectar and they will also carry the pollen. And the pollen, they will kind of you know, fit it in a pollen basket, that's what it's called. Because it literally forms a basket okay, on their sides. So these are the two things that bees consume. Fasluki, then follow. Usluki, seen lamb calf. Salaka yasluki, is to enter upon a path, okay, like for example a road, a street, and continue on it. So for example, you enter a highway, and then you go on it. This is salaka. So fasluki, follow what? Subul, the ways. Rabbik of your Lord. Meaning the ways that your Lord has taught you. The ways that your Lord has made for you. Travel on those paths, don't deviate from there. Dhulula, meaning the paths which are dhulul for you. Dhulul, plural of dhulul. And dhulul meaning one that is made obedient. So what does it mean by paths that are made obedient to you? Meaning paths that have been disposed for you. That have been laid down for you. 
travel on those paths because it's amazing a honeybee will travel so far but it will come back to its own hive it will come back to its own hive and it will travel sometimes thousands of miles hundreds of miles and it will come back think about it in a huge meadow in huge farmland where the streets are marked and the roads are you know clear we get lost We don't know whether we took a right or we went left. We get lost. But a honeybee knows exactly where it's going. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught it which way to go, how to go, and it determines the direction by the sun. And there's so many other factors that are involved. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught the bee. فَسْلُكِي سُبْلَ رَبِّكِ ذُلُولَ ذُلُول also uh, can be understood as describing the bee. Meaning go on these paths, ذُلُولَ obediently, Obediently to who? Dear Lord, meaning do the job that Allah has assigned you. Do the work that Allah has given you to do. And keep doing it. Keep performing your duty. Be obedient to your Lord. So this means that when a creation is fulfilling its purpose, then, you know, with the right niyyah, then in fact it is obeying who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as a woman, if you are looking after your children, you're not wasting your life. You're not wasting your life. If you're looking after your husband, your family, your parents, you're not wasting your life. This doesn't mean that becomes a sole purpose of your existence. No, there are other roles that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also assigned you. The role as a Muslim, or the role as you know, a student, a teacher, a worshipper. And obviously, in everything there has to be a balance. But the county things, you know, the fact, the county matters, meaning the physical needs or the physical roles that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us when we're fulfilling them, is that a waste of time? Is that a waste of life? No, it's not. Even that is in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, Asma radiallahu anha, who was she? Asma bint Abi Bakr. She was the daughter of Abu Bakr radiallahu anha. She was the sister of Aisha radiallahu anha. When she moved to Medina, when she did hijrah to Medina, her husband and her, they were suffering from a lot of poverty. And they had basically a piece of land where they would grow stuff and they would sell it. That was basically their source of income. And Asma anha would go all the way and she would work in that field and she would come back and she would do so much work, physical work, that was so exhausting. And once we learned that At one occasion she was returning from her land, going back home. And the Prophet ﷺ saw her. So he offered to give her a ride. But she refused because she remembered her husband's jealousy. That he wouldn't like it if she was going with men. So she did not take up the offer. But you know this reminds me of how the Sahaba also, they strove to earn money, to work. And this is a part of life. And when a person is making money, they're working, providing for their family, looking after their family, fulfilling their responsibilities, this is not a waste of life. Remember that. It's not a waste of time. If you're doing it for the right reason, in the halal way, then it is all ibadah. Because it is being done in whose obedience? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's obedience. Right? Because He gave you those children, He gave you that family, He gave you those parents, He gave you those siblings, and this is the reason why you have to do all this work. If He didn't give you that family, you never had to work. You could be chilling. Alright? 
But again, remember, you see that balance in the lives of the companions. It wasn't just going to their farmlands and making money and, you know, that was it. No, at Tabuk, remember that those who stayed behind from going out in the way of Allah because of their farmlands, how strictly they were dealt with. Right? So there has to be that balance. But every time you're getting discouraged, remember this. Fasluki subala rabbiki dhulula. I'm going out in the way of my Lord, these ways Allah has made for me, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put me in this situation, and I will work in this way. فَاسْلُكِي سُبْلَ رَبِّكِ ذُلُولَ يَخْرُجُ It comes out. مِن بُطُونِهَا From its bellies. بُطُون is a plural of بَطُن. Which means again, a bee has multiple bellies. And that is true. It has two bellies. Okay? One in which when it's sucking the nectar, or when it's taking the pollen, it's taking it in its food section. Meaning, it's going to use it. The bee is going to eat it. And the other is just like a carrier, like a transporting bag. Okay? In which it will carry the nectar back to the hive, and it will transfer it to other bees that will transfer it to the comb. Okay? And store it. يَخْرُجُ مِن بُطُونِهَا but it's amazing. It comes out from its bellies, sharabun a drink. Meaning something that you can drink. Something that people can drink. And this drink is mukhtalifun, different alwanuhu, its colors. Its colors are different. Sometimes it is dark and sometimes it is light. Sometimes it's brown and sometimes it's orange and sometimes it's golden. Obviously what drink is this? What liquid is this? Honey. مُخْتَلِفٌ أَلْوَانُهُ And remember that alwan doesn't just mean color, it also means type. There are different flavors also. Aren't there? Some honeys, they're so strong in their taste and others are very light. And this color, this taste is determined by what? This flavor is determined by what? By the kind of nectar, the flower that is a food source for the bees. So for example, if there's a beehive within or near an orange you know, an orchard that has orange trees, then obviously the honey will have that flavor. You know, like when you find buckwheat honey. Okay? Or what are the other? Blueberry also. Okay? Why? Because that bee farming is done near these other farms. Okay? Fihi shifa'ul nas. In this drink is a cure for the people. Meaning, this drink is not just nice and sweet. But at the same time, it's also a cure for the people. Inna fi ayah. Indeed, in that is surely a sign. For people who reflect. Now notice over here, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, there comes from its belly. What does the honeybee drink? It drinks nectar. And what is nectar? It's basically sugar and water. That's basically what it is. Okay? But... When it consumes it, when it drinks it, what happens inside the bee is that tiny drop, that tiny amount of nectar that bee has consumed, the enzymes that are inside the bee, they will transfer that liquid into something else. And what is that? Honey. Because nectar has a lot of liquid in it. It has a lot of water in it. But by the time the bee will take the nectar out of its mouth, it will thicken the water quantity will decrease. And then remember that when the worker bees, a part of them which are going to collect the nectar, when they return to the hive, 
Then the worker bees which are maintaining the hive, uh, the bees that have returned, they will actually transfer the nectar into the mouths of who? The bees which are working in the hive. Okay? So it's going from one belly into another belly. Okay? And then from there, it's going to go into into the hive. It will be stored over there. Okay? Now sometimes what happens is that by the time the bee will put the nectar into the pocket of the honeycomb, it will still have a lot of water content. Then you know what the bees do? You know what they do? They fan their comb. How? With the fluttering of their wings. So that the water will evaporate. That tiny amount of liquid will thicken even more. And then they seal it. Once it's ready, they seal it. I just want you to imagine, how much nectar is it that a poor little honeybee brings? Such tiny amount. And then it's transferred from one bee to the other and into the comb eventually. And then over there it thickens. And then what happens? That entire comb is taken out and it's squeezed or whatever is done. And then the honey is brought out. But think about how much effort it took from that one bee to produce that honey. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً And it's amazing, the nectar, if you drink it like that, it's nothing like honey. It's not going to have shifa for you. But once it goes through the bee, then it has shifa for you. It has a different consistency, different texture, different color, different nutrients even. The difference comes from where? The belly of the bee. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً Okay. I have a question for you. How many flowers must honeybees tap? Okay, meaning they just sit on and they see, okay, this nectar is good, I'll have some. No, this nectar is not good, so I'll leave this for later. So how many flowers is it that the honeybee is sitting on in order to make one pound of honey? You know how much? Two million. Two million flowers. How many flowers does a honeybee have to visit to gather a load of pollen? One load of pollen that the bee will bring to the hive. How many flowers is it visiting? 1,500. 1,500. How far does a hive of bees fly to bring you one pound of honey? How far? 55,000 miles. 55,000 miles. How much money does the average worker honeybee make in her entire lifetime? Hmm? One teaspoon. One twelfth of a teaspoon. Which goes down the drain. Because what do we do? We take the honey out. Okay? We put it in our cup and then we just leave the rest or we let a drop or two fall. That drop that you're wasting, an entire honeybee spent its life making that honey for you. Every drop of honey is precious. Even that drop which trickles down the side of the bottle. Please, don't waste it. Take it from your finger and eat it. Lick it. There's no harm in licking. No problem. Just make sure your hands are clean. Okay. How fast does a honeybee fly? 24 kilometers per hour. That's the speed. So next time you're driving, go on like 20 miles or 15 miles per hour. 
and then drive at that speed and think that if there was a bee flying next to me, we would be together. A jar of honey, one jar of honey. How many bees are required to produce that much honey? 22,000 bees. 22,000 bees together work and they make one jar of honey. Worker bees, how long is their life? How long do they live for? How many years? Any idea? About a month, one month. 32 to 42 days. That's their entire lifetime. Worker bees. And they literally work themselves to death. Because they're constantly working and working and working and working until they get so exhausted that they fall over. And once they fall over, that means they're dead. They are constant workers. You see, the cows even, their bellies are constantly working. And the bees even, what are they doing? Hanging out? Just chilling? Killing time? No. Every moment is being used because life is short. You better produce something even if it's just one twelfth of a teaspoon. Just do anything. Just do something. Don't waste your time. Make something from this life that Allah has given you. Leave some good impact on this world. Prepare something good for yourself in the akhirah. Yes, it can never be enough. But even if it's one twelfth of a teaspoon, it will matter. Because you will have produced at least something. In the winter, bees can live up to four months. But in the summer, only 35 to 42 days. The queen, on the other hand, can live up to two to three to even five years. Okay. Bees, they have five eyes. Five. Okay. Two big ones, like we do. And then three little ones on the top of the head. And you may have noticed, if you look at a bee closely, there's like these three circles on the top of their head. What are they? Eyes. And they help them fly straight. Many other interesting facts about bees. Amazing. And there are numerous documentaries out there about the bees. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning the bee and telling us there is a lesson in the bees. So please do watch a documentary or something on the bees tonight. Okay? Because the weekend is still there. So before school starts, work starts, you know, watch something that will be a source of ibrah. If you think about it, 1400 years ago, none of these facts were there. Yes. And subhanAllah, just by analyzing the few words that we do understand, like the fact that the cows have multiple stomachs, the fact that the bees have multiple stomachs, that the fact that they're female, yes. and they're the ones that do work, they, you know, where they build their homes, things like that 1400 years ago, they didn't have the research, the capability to actually find out any of these things. But subhanAllah, the Qur'an that was revealed that long ago has scientific facts that even today we are still discovering. Facts that we recently just learned. Yes. You know, some of these things I had no idea about until you told us. Yeah. And, and, so and I found out just by reading a few articles and just watching a few documentaries, a few minutes here, a few minutes there. Uh, there's so much more to read and so much more to learn from. Numerous resources out there. And remember that when you study these things, this is also a study of the Qur'an. So that is also an act of ibadah. So don't think it's a waste of time. So when you want to watch something, you know, like you want to just chill and watch something, even at that time, be like a bee. <laughs> In that, don't waste your time. Watch something that's going to benefit you. Through which you can improve in your understanding of the Qur'an. Through which you can derive some life lessons. 
The cow obeys Allah, it produces milk. The bee obeys Allah, it produces honey. Man obeys Allah, he can produce something good too. And if he disobeys Allah, what can he produce? He can be of the lowest of the low. One more thing before we move on to the next ayah, that in honey is a cure. A cure for what? Disease, illness. Now, which disease, which illness is not mentioned here? Which means that it can be a cure for almost any disease. Provided that it's used correctly. The Prophet ﷺ said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed shifa in three things. Healing is to be found in three things. Hijama. What is hijama? Cupping. Secondly, drinking honey. And thirdly, branding with fire. Okay, Meaning like fire or like something really hot is taken and then it's applied. But he said that I have forbidden this third way. So healing is to be found in three things. Okay, The first two are permissible and the third way the Prophet ﷺ forbade. What are the first two things? Cupping and honey. Now, notice sharab. You have to drink it. Not eat it. What do we do with honey? We eat it. Like we take a teaspoon and we put it in our mouth. There is a difference when you will drink it. Literally drink it. There will be a difference. There is a very interesting hadith in which we learn that once a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said that my brother is suffering from some illness, some problem in his stomach. The Prophet ﷺ said, give him honey. So the man went, he gave honey to his brother. He came back and he said, his stomach is worse. The Prophet ﷺ said, give him more honey. The man said, okay. So he went and he gave more honey to his brother. He came and he said, my brother is getting worse. He's getting worse. The problem is not solving, it's getting aggravated. But again and again he was told, give honey. And then eventually that man came and he said, he's fine. My brother is okay. And the Prophet ﷺ, earlier when that man kept coming back to him, and he kept saying that my brother is worse, my brother is worse, the Prophet ﷺ said, the stomach of your brother is lying and Allah said the truth. Allah said the truth. What truth? That in honey is shifa. And if the stomach of your brother is saying that it's not shifa for me, it's making me feel worse, then there's a problem with your brother's stomach. Not with the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So sometimes it happens that you take some cure, okay, and it makes things worse. Okay? Initially. But then what happens eventually? Eventually, it's fine. Okay? This is just like if you're hurt, if you're angry, if you are really offended because somebody said something to you, they dealt with you in a particular way, and you say, I have to solve this issue. And the only way is that you go communicate with them. When you're communicating with them, talking about your feelings, and they're telling you about what they think of you, there is going to be a lot of crying, right? A lot of tears, a lot of raised voices. But you have to go through that process, and then eventually, things will be fine. Exactly. Exactly. When a fever breaks, then what happens? It goes really high, and then eventually, it goes away. So, فِيهِ شِفَاءُ لِلنَّاسِ And remember that honey as shifa, it can be consumed and it can also be applied. So for example, a cut, a burn, even for that purpose, you can apply honey. It's a shifa. 
Let's listen to the recitation. وَمِن ثَمَرَاتِ النَّخِيلِ وَالْأَعْنَابِ تَتَّخِذُونَ مِنْهُ سَكَرًا وَرِزْقًا حَسَنًا إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً لِقَوْمٍ يَعْقِلُونَ وَأَوْحَى رَبُّكَ إِلَى النَّحْلِ أَنِ اتَّخِذِي مِنَ الْجِبَالِ بُيُوتًا وَمِنَ الشَّجَرِ وَمِمَّا يَعْرِشُونَ ثُمَّ كُلِي مِنْ كُلِّ الثَّمَرَاتِ فَاسْلُكِي سُبُلَ رَبِّكِ ذُلُلًا يَخْرُجُ مِنْ بُطُونِهَا شَرَابٌ مُخْتَلِفٌ أَلْوَانُهُ فِيهِ شِفَاءٌ لِلنَّاسِ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً لِقَوْمٍ يَتَفَكَّرُونَ 